Hey friends, just a heads up, before we get into today's featured interview, the last few minutes includes a brief conversation around topics of sexual harm and trauma. Please listen with care. I have changed everything from the time when I first started in music. I definitely slowly realized those things that I needed and that everybody probably needs too. Just from having the opposite, feeling exhausted and having people around me who are partying all the time or who aren't treating their bodies well, aren't eating well, aren't kind to each other. Now I feel like I'm very intentional about the people that are in my touring crew, my management crew, and also the label that I'm signed to. All of them are amazing people. All of them are deeply kind and caring and emotional. And everyone is working hard to continuously change the shape of what our business looks like to make it more sustainable for everyone involved. And it came from me just leaning into myself and hearing exactly what I needed and changing things. It is just about speaking up. That was Indigo D'Souza, and this is Shiro's, a podcast with a mission to turn up the volume of women's voices in music across genres and generations. I'm Carmel Holt, and what you're about to hear is a previously aired interview from my syndicated public radio show, Shiro's Radio. Shiro's is a deep dive into the experiences and perspectives of women and gender expansive folks in a still overwhelmingly male-dominated music industry. It's a space where we discuss challenges and triumphs, how far we've come and how far we still have to go. Telling our stories is the first step to making music better for everyone. We last caught up with singer, songwriter, guitarist, and producer Indigo D'Souza back in 2021. She'd just been signed to the revered indie label Saddle Creek Records, who reissued her 2018 self-released full-length debut album, I Love My Mom, and put out her sophomore effort, Any Shape You Take. The songs for that album were born out of a chapter of self-discovery and a newfound sense of belonging within her adopted community of Asheville, North Carolina, where she'd moved with her visual artist mother from a much more conservative town called Spruce Pine. Inheriting some of her Brazilian musician father's talent, Indigo started playing guitar as a child and writing songs at age nine. As she's continued to evolve, so has her definition of what a supportive artistic community looks like and discovering ways to be more aligned with her deep love of nature. Though change is never easy, Indigo de Sousa continues to show us how necessary and how life-affirming making better choices for ourselves can be. It's no one that her newest album, All of This Will End, is her most confident work to date. I'm so happy to welcome back Indigo D'Souza as this week's Shiro in the Spotlight. Indigo D'Souza, welcome to Shiro's. Welcome back to Shiro's, I should say. <laughs> so glad to see you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Congratulations on your third album, All of This Will End. You've really stepped into a new zone with this album. I can hear a lot of confidence Mm, yeah, thank you. I definitely feel that way as well. And yeah, it like confuses me if a person thinks that it's not better than the other two albums because it <laughs> feels like I get better and better as I grow. That is the only thing that really makes sense to me. So yeah, thanks for yeah. saying that. Well, let's dive into the genesis of this album, if you don't mind. Take us from Any Shape You Take to All of This Will End, what that growth looked like from one album to the next. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the growth between albums really just had a lot to do with the growth that was happening in my life 
and the shifting that was happening in my life socially and also just within my relationship to self and to the world and to nature. I guess what it felt like is that I had a coming of age that didn't feel like becoming an adult, but kind of becoming someone who has decided to fully embody truth and be more truthful with the self. And I came from a community that felt really toxic and then was alone for a while in between while I was figuring out where I was going to go next. And then during the pandemic blossomed into a new version of myself and met new people who celebrated that version and, and all the versions passed and felt really at home and more seen than I'd felt before and just felt a very clear acceptance for my humanness and for all the changes that I've been through. And I really owe it all to that community and to that moment of self-reflection that I had in between communities that showed me all that. But yeah, this album feels like it definitely came from that moment of clarity. That's amazing. And also amazing considering the time in between records also contained the pandemic when we were so socially shut down. Like, how did yeah. that happen? How did you pull that off? Connecting <laughs> with a whole new group of people. Yeah, well, it feels almost like nature brought me to them because the reason why we found each other is because we were all gravitating towards this one specific piece of land that's owned by this really magical person and different levels of people just kept getting invited out there to go like sing around the fire or go swimming at the creek or to watch a house show that was going to be outside in the lawn and it felt very safe to be out in nature with people in a way that it didn't feel to go visit friends that only wanted to be inside and it brought to my attention that my community that I had been a part of before were people who didn't really like the outdoors and didn't really explore nature that much. And I remember like within the first few weeks of being friends with this new group of people, they were like, we're going to go to the swamp in Charleston and go kayaking and see the alligators and camp there for a week. And we were wondering if you want to come. And my brain lit up because I realized how special that was and how different it was from anything I was used to, and how called I felt to follow that path with them. And that was like the real beginning of all these really deep friendships that just kept expanding, and we kept growing the community and realizing how intentional we wanted it to be, and how friends can love each other in a very committed and very open, yet very like boundary-filled way in a way that contains a lot of great communication and also gives a lot of space for people to fully express themselves and to really be seen for what they actually are, even their flaws, not just like what they are when they're putting their best foot forward, which I feel like a lot of friendships can kind of end up looking like that. People are just trying to be the best version of themselves, but not showing all of the nitty gritty parts of themselves, which I think is where people can really connect and grow. If we can really see each other in those spaces, then it's real. Yes, everything you're saying is resonating with me. And maybe that's part of why this album is resonating with me so <laughs> much too, you know? Yeah. I was thinking maybe we should break here and play a clip of one of the songs from the record. Yeah, there is a song called Not My Body, and that one was actually one of the later 
songs that I wrote on the album, and it was when I started becoming friends with this community, and I actually used noises from the swamp that we went to in the recording, and a lot of the lyrics are connected to what we've been talking about, so that one feels like a good one to cut to. My Body on the new Indigo D'Souza album, All of This Will End, her third full-length studio album. She's our guest today on Shiro's. It has the line, I want to be a redwood tree. Mm -mm. I was like, ah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Probably someday. (laughs) Yeah. And the title really hit me too because, and this is such a big generalization, but I feel like mortality is something that we grapple with typically later in life and you're still in the first quarter-ish of your life, right? Or first third of your life. And I was curious about how you tapped into that wisdom of presence, staying in the moment, keeping that conscious that everything is temporary and everything will end. And so therefore, this should be the time that you savor because you don't know when it's over. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, My life is a mystery to me. I can guess. And for me, I think it feels like I had a glimmer of that way of thinking about things when I was very young, probably starting when I was about nine. And I know that because of journals, because I wrote a lot of journals when I was that age. And I also wrote songs starting when I was nine. And a lot of them were about the same stuff that I write about now. So I know that it's always been in there for some reason. But I also think that my life has just had a lot of strange twists and turns and has been really hard and heavy at times. And I've been in situations that felt really dark and I think the rawness of the experiences that I've had and the way that I so fully opened myself up to the world when I was young because I didn't realize that I needed to protect myself. And then later on, I realized that I did. And so I closed back up (laughs) in the ways that I needed to to survive. And I just think I learned a lot in that open phase. And I was definitely harmed a lot as well by being so open. But... I kind of feel really grateful for everything that I've been through because I don't think that 
I would have any of the insight that I have now, if that makes sense. (laughs) It totally makes sense. And I think about your mom and your mom's art. And I just remember the first time we talked, you were describing how it was when you lived in um, Spruce Spruce Pine. Pine. Yeah. Right. You like painted this mental picture of your mom driving you to school in her car with all of the naked Barbie dolls glued (laughs) to it and like skulls painted on it or something. Right. And and I look at her artwork and I just think like, uh, yeah, that also kind of makes sense. You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. When I've been reading the journals from when I was young lately because my mom just moved to a new house. So I helped her move and I found a bunch of journals. It's very obvious when I'm reading the journals that my mom was telling me a lot about the world, a lot about things that were going very badly in the world. Like I was very aware of global warming. There was a page where I was writing all about the children in Darfur because I was super worried about them. And I just seemed like a really sad little girl (laughs) that like yeah and I think a lot of it came from the connection that I had to my mom and seeing her and the way that she is so weighted down by the way that the world is I think that I felt that way too through her I think that's really beautiful and I think it's beautiful the way that we both funnel that into our artwork. And I love that they're still so tied together. She continues to do the album art for you. She was involved with at least one of the videos, I think, for one of the songs on this record, um, right? Yeah, yeah, she did the set and the costume for Younger and Dumber. Maybe this is a good segue into talking about this song and playing some of it. Yeah, totally. It's one of my favorites on the album because it feels like a love letter to my child self, which I've realized over time that the child self is really just my spirit self. Whatever the core of my being is, whatever I was the moment I popped out before I had any experiences under my belt in this life, I think of that part of myself a lot and I hold it with a lot of care and love or try to, especially when I I'm disappointing myself or feeling a lot of pain. I try to remember that core and really speak to it and hold it. So that's what this song is mostly about. I forgive myself for going through the things I've been through and putting myself in situations where I got hurt because I didn't know any better and it was my first time. It has been just a lifetime full of first times. When I was younger, younger and dumber, Built like a flower You came to pick me From out of the city You turned me sour When I was younger Younger and prouder I was no
Younger and Dumber closes the album by Indigo D'Souza called All of This Will End, her third. And she's here with us now on Shiro's Radio. I'm Carmel Holt. When you were talking about your younger self, you talked with such clarity about opening yourself and the needing to protect yourself. And because I'm in the lane that I'm in, talking to women and genderqueer folks about being in this industry, if you put what you were just telling me in that frame, what can you share with us about your journey from an artistic, and musical standpoint. Yeah, I've definitely learned a lot. This industry is insane. <laughs> and it's crazy to think about when I first started and how I just knew nothing about how it worked. And I feel like since the beginning, I've been incredibly curious about every part of it, every moving part, every person that's underneath me working, even a, the smallest piece of the puzzle. I care a lot about everyone's part in it. And I think what I've learned is that the industry is all over the place, that sometimes things will be really nice and you'll be treated well and I'll feel good in a place. And then other times it'll be the total opposite. And mm. I might feel very hurt by a space or hurt by the way people are acting towards me. Or there might be like just some really creepy things said. Yeah, it's just kind of like a Wild West industry. It doesn't have a consistent way of being, especially in touring. And for me, like doing all kinds of things outside of touring as well, recording, doing session work with people, doing interviews. So many pieces of it are just very strange. It also sounds like in this phase, you're yeah. getting clearer and clearer and better and better at being intentional about your community and who surrounds you. Mm. And I would have to think that that would apply also to all the things that you're talking about, which is your crew, your management, the people that are working on your record with you, yes. your band, you know. Mm -hmm. Can you just talk to us a little bit about that and the importance of that and how you've shifted gears and what makes a difference to you to feel safe and feel seen and, and to be able to do your art? Totally. Yeah. I have changed everything from the time when I first started in music. I definitely slowly realized those things that I needed and that everybody probably needs too. Just from having the opposite and from feeling exhausted and having people around me who are partying all the time or who aren't treating their bodies well, aren't eating well aren't kind to each other. Now I feel like I'm very intentional about the people that are in my touring crew and also in my management crew and also the label that I'm signed to. All of them are amazing people. All of them are deeply kind and caring and emotional. And everyone is working hard to continuously change the shape of what our business looks like to make it more sustainable for everyone involved. And yeah, like the touring party that I have now, it took me a while to end up with these bandmates. And it's definitely the best that it's ever been. And it came from me kind of just leaning into myself and hearing exactly what I needed and changing things. It is just about speaking up. <laughs> and even when we play festivals, if somebody is rude, 
or is racist or is homophobic within people that are working at a festival. I feel like in the past, maybe I would have just been really mousy and just been like, oh, that's horrible, and then gone back to my room. But now I feel like I have more of a voice, and I will go to the office of the festival, and I will talk to them, and I'll tell them who it was, and I'll ask them why that was even happening at the festival. I've found that it's powerful to advocate for myself and my crew at any musical operation because it does pay forward and it does ripple out to the other bands and the other people that involved. Even just going into venues, I feel like we've also become more intentional about working with the staff at venues and just really, really being present with them as people and seeing all of them and recognizing that they are all doing a job and just appreciating them for it and letting them know. That goes a long way too and that energy ripples out and it feels like all of that comes from what I've learned from having a really brilliant community around me because I just have a clear idea of how I want people in the world to be treated or how they deserve to be treated and I feel like I have some control in some way over my small corner of the world. I wish that it was just something that was like baked in, but hopefully somebody who's going through the same things that you went through could hear this and go, okay, like it is important for me to think twice, like when I'm not feeling comfortable in a situation or if I want to have more women or genderqueer folks on my crew, like I should ask for that. You know, yeah. if that's something that I need. That's something I did this year. Yeah, I <laughs> that's funny that you say that. <laughs> yeah, I realized like I was done being the only woman <laughs> in my crew. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I'm sorry, but I won't accept another male bandmate. And I just searched and searched and searched until I found the right girl. And it's amazing to have her. And then we also have a female monitors person now, which is amazing. amazing. And that is something that I, for a while, was just like, well, I can't find anybody. I guess I'll just go with whoever. And then I realized that it was so important that I needed to just advocate for it. So, like, was it hard for you when you went seeking that out? Like, it sounded like it took some time to find. Yeah, it definitely was. I don't know why. I think because for some reason, all of the mask people... It's almost like they're just more available or something. Yeah. Or just it's more obvious. And yeah. if there are any amazing female crew, they're already taken. People want them, so they're probably gone <laughs> and I'm not right. available to me. Yeah, so it feels kind of magical that it even happened. <laughs> Indigo Sosa is our guest today on Shiro's. The new album is called All of This Will End. We were talking before about production, and I noticed that you have uh, co-producing credit on this album. Have you always called yourself a producer? Is that something that you're feeling more confident about these days? Yeah, definitely. That's another thing that changed. On the last album, I brought in a producer, and it was the first time I'd done that. And I kind of didn't even know what it meant, but I was curious to know what it meant, and I wanted to see how it went and it taught me a lot and it was nice to work with someone who had a lot of knowledge and to learn from them but what it taught me is that I didn't need a producer. <laughs> I saw what a producer did and realized that I could do that <laughs> and that I actually wanted to do that and that the whole process takes less time if I just do that because I already know what I want to do and I can hear 
everything in my mind. And so I just have to trust myself and lean into that. And then also that shifted from the last album to this album because I have totally different bandmates now. My bandmates from the past album actually all quit and moved on to other things. And that was part of my isolation during the pandemic is that wow. I also lost all my bandmates and was also losing friends and was just very alone. And I remember feeling like I couldn't make music because those people had been the people that were there the whole time from the beginning and had been writing parts with me and learning the songs and had been building a thing with me and then they just disappeared. And I realized suddenly in that space that I could do everything myself. I can write all the parts. I can't play all the instruments, but I can hear all the notes and I can get them down. I can make a demo. I can sing the notes to people. I can communicate it. And it was awesome <laughs> because in that moment of isolation and just being left with myself, I flourished and realized that I was okay. And I think that was really important for me in learning how to trust my inner musical self. Kudos to you for finding that inner strength and turning something that was, I'm sure, really painful and really scary into a major opportunity. And look where it got you. You know, this <laughs> album is totally awesome. Indigo de Sousa, let's do another track here, another clip, and uh, and then we'll go to our, our closing exercise of the Shiro's Magic Wand. Where do you want to <laughs> go next? Well, I realized earlier when we were talking about women that I actually would love to talk about You Can Be Mean. That'd be great. Yeah. That one feels really powerful to me in a very specific way. And it's been really awesome to play it live because I see how it is manifesting in people's bodies. And I wrote that song after a really bad experience with a bad guy. <laughs> and it was at a time in my life when I still hadn't learned that I didn't have to give any of my time to bad guys. I was still in this strange place of wanting the validation of people, no matter how horrible they were. And I think that was just a product of coming out of a lot of dysfunction in my life and in my romantic life. I just didn't really know anything else. And it was like the last experience that I had with a bad guy. And then I cut it off after that. He completely just shit on me and then he couldn't apologize for it, couldn't take any accountability. And I tried to talk to him like a human about it and he couldn't talk to me about it. And I kind of just saw that even though I had expected that there might be some part of him that was good, that there must be a good person in there, I'm going to find it. I'm going to be the one to find it. That there wasn't <laughs> and that he was just using me for my body and would say anything to just use me for that. And once he had that, then he was done with me. And so I wrote this song about that experience because I wanted to write something for myself and for other people that would be an anthem about boundaries, that you don't have to allow people access to your body if they're harming you or if they're not treating you well, or if you don't feel seen and loved and held by them. You don't have to let someone touch you or be in your life even. And it's totally okay to cut someone out if they're harming you. 
And Mm. there are people around who will support that. And especially women, I think that women's bodies in particular are just so sacred. And it is so scary how quickly sex can turn into something very harsh and very harmful. And in thinking about sex, I think there was a point in time when I realized how traumatized my body was and how if I were engaged with someone that wasn't treating me well, it started to kind of fill me with a specific kind of dread and fear and I would feel tightened up and scared. And I still, even in those moments, allowed people to harm me or to enter my body, which is hard to admit to myself. But I think a lot of people experience this, just having a frozenness when you want to move and you want to get away, but you can't because Mm -hmm. you're so in shock. So I think that it's just important for women to know that we can lean into our community as women and we can talk to each other about our experiences and we can use our strength pulled together to learn how to create better patterns for ourselves and to learn how to accept love that we deserve and to learn how to accept people treating us with care and treating our bodies with care. Yeah, I think that's one of the most important things that isn't always talked about very much. I agree with you 100%. Thank you for sharing all of that. And I think about seeing you perform and all the young girls up front singing along to every song and wanting to talk to you afterwards and how important the work that you're doing is for them, you know, and getting that specific message across is so important. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you'd think it would be it sounds so silly to say it out loud. Like you don't, you don't have to let a bad person have access to your body, but it is something that for some reason we have to learn because we are traumatized by a lot of things as we grow up and we somehow end up accepting things that are unacceptable. I always try to say a little blurb in some way about that before I sing the song or after I sing the song. say that. (laughs) What a segue. (laughs) Sadly, our time is coming to an end, Indigo. I love talking to you. I feel like I could talk to you all day. You're so inspiring. Thank you for opening up and sharing as much as you did today. It was really a pleasure to spend some time with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Before we wrap up, let's do the Shiro's Magic Wand. Okay. (laughs) So, Indigo, I'm going to bestow the Shiro's Magic Wand to you. And with the wand, you have the power to change anything for women and genderqueer folks in music. Mm. What would that be? Wow. Yeah. I mean, 
If I really had a magic wand that could do anything, I think what I would want is for women to not be subjected to sexualization or Mm -hmm. heckling from crowds or heckling from people working at venues or festivals, having awkward, strange moments with people who are above us. Yeah, I think that's what I would change. (laughs) Okay, so with the magic wand, we need the sound effect. Indigo. Yeah, great. (laughs) Perfect. Take us out with another song choice. What should we end with today? Cool. Maybe we'll end with Parking Lot. I think what I realized is that Parking lots are, they're poignant to me because they are in the place of nature, because they are something that wasn't there at the beginning, and it's something that we put there. It's something that we did that covered up nature. It covered up something that was already naturally occurring. And yeah, I was thinking recently about just how funny that is that I remember like being very small and just parking, you know, when you're new in the world, everything just is the way it is. You don't question it. You just wake up in the world and then you're like, okay, there's mom and there's food and there's a parking lot. And now we're in the grocery store. We're buying our food, bringing it home. And there was a point at which I started to question all of it. And I remember that song um, by Joni Mitchell, the The yellow taxi. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That song, I remember the first time hearing it, I was trying to understand the lyrics, like what they meant by paving a parking lot. And then it occurred to me like that we did that, (laughs) that we, we paved the parking lot and that it wasn't always there. And then I started to look at everything else and started to think about how everything was created by us, all of the buildings and structures and cars and trains and planes and beeping machines everywhere and it's poignant to me because that became a part of my anxiety in the world I started to feel very scared of humans and I wasn't very functional I think I'm probably the most functional now in my life that I've ever been but especially in my late teenage years I was a total mess because I just was so confused about the way that everything is So yeah, that's one part of it. And then there are also just these strange time capsules too, because like when you go to the grocery store at your hometown, like wherever you grew up, it probably looks similar to other grocery stores. But for some reason, that specific parking lot has a a specific feeling to you and your life because it's nostalgic being in your hometown or going back to that place. And it's crazy to watch the way that nature slowly takes the parking lot back, too. That maybe you go back five years later and there's some grass coming through the cracks and a tree is starting to break through. And it's just a funny kind of passing of time. In the parking lot, I feel like I am somewhere else. I text my boss and say that
Give thanks once again to Indigo D'Souza. Thank you for joining us for Shiro's. This was great. Thank you for having me. Many thanks once again to Indigo D'Souza for being with us. Her third album, All of This Will End, is available now on Saddle Creek. She Rose is produced by me, is mixed and mastered by Kelly Drake. Our original theme music is by Lucius. She Rose is also a nationally syndicated radio show. You can visit SheRoseRadio.com to find out more and support our work with Patreon or merch from the She Rose shop. Keep in touch on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Carmel Holt or find us at She Rose Radio. And please consider leaving us a radio and review wherever you listen to your podcast that helps us grow and bring you more Shiro's. Until next time, remember, music is our superpower. I'm Carmel Holt. Thanks for listening. <laughs>